we are starting a new series and it's called The Fruit of the Spirit. Last month, we just did a whole series and I hope you enjoyed it. It was all about breaking addiction. And addiction has been something that can, you know, has been dogging people uh, in our church and in culture and it's increasing quite significantly. Statistics are, are telling us that. And so we decided to address that issue of breaking addictions in our lives. But when we, when we, when we were uh, strategizing about the, the, you know, the year and what we're going to be talking about and teaching about and we've been praying about this, we realized that we really needed something that would help us to, to take us from the step of breaking addictions to where do we go from here? And so we realized that addictions are very much to do with the physical body. Now, yes, it's, it can be, it can be a, a connected to the spiritual realm too, but addictions are a manifestation of your emotions in your physical body. And when you have an addiction, you are basically controlled by something that makes you feel good about yourself. It gives you peace or helps you to get away from pain. And once you break that thing, what do you have next? What should we move into next? And we realized the thing that we needed to move into was the things of the Spirit. The things of the Spirit. Now, why is it that this is important? Because, you see, just because you, just because you get rid of bad fruit in your life doesn't mean you now have good fruit in your life. You see, freedom is not just about getting rid of bad fruit. It's about manifesting good fruit in your life. But the problem is that we have is we're just human. How do we create this fruit? Because we're imperfect. We still have sin in our lives. Well, the best way to do it is that we don't actually do this by ourselves. We try and do it by the Spirit. And that's why we want to talk about the fruits of the Spirit. When I was about nine years old, we moved from a house that we lived in um, as a child. I was the youngest of four. And we moved to a new house when I was nine years old. And it was a, a house that was pretty much like a massive mansion. And my parents bought half of it. And then, you know, there was a wall put down the middle. And that house was actually an old mansion that was owned by an industrial baron that owned so much money and so much wealth and so many factories in this, the town of Dundee, the city of Dundee that I used to live in. And when I got there as a child, I'll never forget a box of apples being at the front door. And I remember looking at these, all these boxes, it was just boxes and boxes. My dad was trying to give them all away. And I'm like, where did these apples come from? And he said, they came from the apple tree. And I'm like, oh, there you go. That's a smart idea. And, and he said, and I said, but what apple tree? And he said, we have apple trees in the garden. Now, if you've grown up in, 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 a, in a garden, like Pastor Mark has, you know, has five acres and he has all these vegetables he's trying to give away all the time and he's got these fruits and all these different things, it's absolutely wonderful. But if you haven't grown up with that, knowing that you have vegetables and, and, and apples that just grow in your garden and you don't do anything, it's, it's kind of an exciting thing when I was a child. I'm like, every year we're gonna get apples? How cool is this? Now, the thing is with apples is that they come from, what do they come from? They come from... They come from a seed, okay, no. They come from an apple tree, but the tree comes from the seed, but that's a good, quite a good answer, I really like that. So the apple comes from the apple tree, right? But do you know what an apple tree looks like? No, I didn't know what an apple tree looked like either. In fact, there was a box of apples in the corner of my mom and dad's house, but there was trees in the garden. I couldn't have told you which tree it was, right? Because I don't know what an apple tree looks like, but I know what an apple looks like. Fruit is the evidence of things that are not seen. Fruit is the evidence of things that are not seen. And in the same way that I didn't know what a tree an apple tree looked like, in the same way that I don't even know how an apple tree works, I believe that many of us are the same boat when it comes to the things of the Spirit. 
What does the things of the Spirit look like? What does the Spirit look like? They said, Jesus said, it's like the air. It's like the wind that just blows. He even said, it's like water. Well, you can't take hold of water. How, how are you able to take hold of the things of the Spirit? In fact, the Spirit is not something that is easily contained or measured. The only way you know you have the things of the Spirit is when you're able to discover the fruits of the Spirit. How do you know that you're free from addiction? How do you know that you've chosen the right path? Well, it's not, the proof of that isn't, I no longer do bad things. The proof of the Spirit is no longer the, it's not the thing of, I no longer drink alcohol, I'm therefore no longer an alcoholic. No, the things of the Spirit is good fruits that are in our lives. And in the book of Galatians, Paul was writing to a church and he talked about these good fruits and here's what they are. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And for this month and next month, we're gonna take each one of these fruits and we're gonna ask the question, what is this fruit? What does it look like? And what brings it about in our lives? In the book of Galatians, Paul decided to address an issue. It was the issue of freedom in people's lives. You see, in the same way that I think many of us as Christians have difficulties in our lives of holding on to our freedom, Paul had to speak to a church called the Church of Galatia because they were having the same problem. They didn't know how to keep hold of the freedom that Christ had given them. Just because you gave your life to Christ, because you follow Christ, because you come to church, you read your Bible, you do all the prayers, you do all the Hail Marys and all these different things, that's all wonderful, but it doesn't mean you're completely free yet. And so he decided to talk about two different things that we often do as Christians in order to try and take hold and maintain our Christianity. And he uses two different words, and I'm going to change the, 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 the different, the, the, what the meaning of the word, or not the meaning of the word, I'm going to change a, 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 a different use of the word. And we're going to talk about uh, uh, legalism and license, legalism and license. The first one is this, when we try and find freedom through legalism, and the first verse he uses in Galatians 5, he says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, when he's saying a yoke of slavery, he's actually referring to legalism. He's talking about laws that try to keep your freedom in your life. But before I get into that, let's ask this question. What is freedom? Because I hear this word a lot. I hear, it, I hear it all the time, especially when it comes to our, our Americanisms, where it's like, well, we're a free country. Well, this is a free country, I hear people saying. This is a free country. And I'm like, in my mind, and sometimes I'll ask people, I'll go, what do you mean by a free country, though? What, what do you mean by free? Well, I can do whatever I want. Well, we have freedom of speech. We have uh, freedom of press. We have freedom to assemble. We have freedom of these types of things. But what I find is, that most times when we're describing freedom, it's not just what it looks like, but it's what, often what it doesn't look like. You see, if I compared myself to another country that doesn't have lots of laws that give them freedom, then I could say, oh, we're a more free country because, well, look at that country, they're not free. We're free compared to that, which makes a lot of sense, right? But if I was to ask you, if we were to compare ourselves towards the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, do you think we're as free as we should be? The answer is no. We're probably not as free as we should be. America's not as free as it should be. If it was that free, then we wouldn't have so much hatred of people killing each other and suing each other and hurting each other, right? So maybe we don't have as much freedom as we thought. 
And if we're a Christian, we have to define ourselves and determine ourselves by what Christ says is freedom, not what our founding documents say is freedom. I'm not saying that what we have in our country with our constitution is a bad thing. Thank God that he has given us these freedoms. But that is only a small reflection of the freedom that Christ has promised to us. In fact, what many of us do is that we would rather have more rules and regulations and have more laws. We need more gun laws. We need more speeding laws. We need more tax laws. We need to tax the rich. We want to have more laws and more laws in order to try and get more freedom for ourselves, our family, and maybe our community. In fact, I decided recently to try and look up how many laws are there in America? <clears throat> All the websites I went to, they gave us long description and then they said, no one can really count how many laws. In fact, the government has stopped counting how many laws there are on the books. Do you know why? Because they keep changing all the time. They keep getting added. There are so many laws. Do you want to know how many laws there are in the kingdom of God? One. Paul says this in Galatia chapter 45, verse 14. He says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. What is it? Love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. It's just one rule, one law to be in the kingdom of God, to have the fullness of freedom that Jesus has brought us through the cross of Christ, to have the fullness of that cross in your life. You only need one law. Imagine if we only had one law in America. How wild would that be? You see, I don't know that we are necessarily as free as we think we are because legalism is something that will always bring us back into bondage. In fact, legalism brings you into slavery to others. You see, when you have to live by a whole set of rules that even you can't keep up with, now everybody gets to measure you by these rules and now we have to live under a law that we are all going to fail at some time. Legalism brings you back into slavery to others. In fact, this often happens in churches where I see churches that will often have rules and regulations. You, can, you can't wear your dress this high. It has to be this high. You can't wear this color of pants. You have to wear this. You have to have a certain type of haircut. You can only eat this type of food on this particular day and you have to do your prayers here and you have to do, and we have all these rules and regulations that have the goal of trying to bring us into a freedom with Christ, but actually bog us down into a slavery. And if you're looking to try and keep your freedom by getting rid of all your addictions, and now that I've gotten rid of all addictions, I wanna put these disciplines in my life, I wanna make sure I do these things. Disciplines are wonderful. Don't get me wrong. I think God has given us disciplines. It's important. But if you're looking to be addiction-free by performance, you're gonna get bogged down and you're gonna get trapped. And when you get trapped, you're gonna hate the rules that you live under. Paul is saying this, legalism will not bring you the freedom you're looking for. And then later on in the same chapter, he brings up another type of thing that we usually try to use to keep our freedom. And it's this, freedom through license. Galatians 5.13 says this, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. When it says the word flesh, it actually just means yourself right? It's not just your physical part of your body, but it's yourself, your attitude, your mind, your, your choices. You're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Serve one another humbly in love. Paul is saying this, now that you're free, don't think you can do anything you want, 
right? Because I know I'm free because I can do whatever I want. I live in a free country because I can do whatever I want. No, when you are saved by Christ and you are freed by Christ, you're freed to not be yourself. You're freed to become like Christ, right? You're free to take hold of the way that he does things. Example, you might have the freedom and the ability to have your faith in Christ and you're like, well, but I don't really need to be a part of a church community. I don't need organized religion. Actually, this is disorganized religion. But anyway, we don't need organized religion in order to be a Christian. That might be true for you, but you're leading other people. They're called children. They're called your neighbors. And they don't know how to follow Christ. And just because you're living in the license of your freedom to not have to go to a church community, you're making an example to other people that this is the way to do things. But other people need more than you. And you have a responsibility as a disciple, as Jesus said, go into all the world, make, make disciples of all nations. You have a responsibility to lead by example your children first. But here's what Christ says. He said, if it's not, if it's, if it, if it's not uh, uh, freedom through legalism, it's definitely not freedom through license. Sorry, that's what Paul says. Because license brings you into slavery to yourself, to your own choices, to your own desires. That's not what God has called us to. What he has called us to this is this. Freedom is through the Spirit. Now, this is where it gets a little hard. Because in Galatians 5, 16 to 18, Paul sums up what that freedom looks like. And he says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of yourself. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You're not under legalism anymore. So there are two things he says there to walk by the Spirit and to be led by the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit and led by the Spirit. Now, if I left it there, you'd probably all walk away going, I still don't know what to do with this. I still don't know how to do it. I get it. 20 years ago, when my father passed away, I got really lost in my faith. I got lost in who I was and my identity of myself. And it took me a few years to realize that what I was looking for was whenever I went through an issue or a, a situation, I'd always call my father to give me advice. Tell me what to do with this, that. And I got to the point where I realized I can actually remember how he talked. I can remember the things he would say. So I go, well, if I'm in this situation, I don't know what to do, what would my dad say? And I go, I could hear him go, well, son, the first thing you don't want to do is you don't want to fear because when you go into fear, you're no longer connected to God. So the first thing you want to banish from yourself is fear. Second thing you want to do is you want to commit some time to God, take some time to pray, to fast about it, and expect that your father is good and he will give you an answer, right? I, most of you don't know who my dad was. That sounded just like him, right? Right? I know how he spoke. And then I got to the place of going, wait a second, I know how he spoke. I can walk like my father did. I can walk because I just need to mimic the same patterns of what he thought or what he said. I can do the same thing. But then I got to the place of, way, of, of realizing that later on, wait a second, the things that my father was saying was the things that he had learned from the Spirit. So the things he was saying was not the things that he had come up with, but what the Spirit had revealed within himself. Now I could be led by the Spirit myself. You see, maybe you're thinking, well, I, don't, I never had a good father. I didn't have a dad like yours. I get it. But you do have good people in your life. 
you have good leaders, you've got good friends, you've got spiritual people who know how to walk with God, you've got pastors, you've got mothers and fathers who have put great things within yourself. What I'm saying is mimic the good things that they do and get to the place where you learn how to walk with the Spirit just by yourself and you don't have to do everything that they've told you to do. Why? Because sometimes the Spirit will tell you to do something that's gonna be different from what He tells me to do right? I'm not free to be myself. I'm free to, ha- to follow the Holy Spirit. And he doesn't have rules and regulations that everybody has to follow. What he does is he tells what's good for you to you. And then you need to go off and do that. You need to be obedient to the Spirit. But maybe he's told me I shouldn't do it. Maybe I should eat. Maybe he's told you, you, can, you can't drink alcohol. And then I go, thank you, Jesus, you haven't told me that, right? So I get to drink alcohol because it's freedom for me, but it's not for you. Does this make sense? Then the ultimate question is, how do I know if it's the Holy Spirit that really is telling me the truth? How do I know if I'm walking with him? How do I know if I'm being led by him? Because you'll be having the right fruit. What is that fruit again? Paul said it. He said, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. There's no legalism. So if you have problems with, with, with fear and difficulty, you don't have the fruit of the Spirit. You're gonna have to change something in your life so you can get that fruit. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to end by taking communion together. Can I steal someone's communion, please? Um, <clears throat> we're gonna have some communion together. I know we have, uh, thank you, sir. Oh, I got two. Excellent, a double communion for me. Um, in fact, we have the deacons as well. If you, don't have any, if you don't have any communion, if you can put your hand up so we can uh, help you to, to have some uh, with us, we'd love to share this with you. Now, we don't do communion all the time. Is it because it's not important to us? No, Christ never told us how many times we should do it. We don't do it every week. We don't do it every month. We don't do it every year. It doesn't matter. It's when you think is the right time that you should actually take communion. But today, I want us to take this communion so that we can decide that our freedom is through what Jesus has done for us, not our rules and regulations, and not our, ourselves where we can do whatever the heck we want. If there's any more hands up, just keep your hands up as well. There's gonna be more that's coming out right now. So let's Let's all stand this morning as we finish our service. And if everybody's got communion, if you're with us at home right now um, or in the mountains, because I know some of you are there, or at the beach, hopefully you're still watching, you can find something. I don't care if it's soda and crackers or bread or something. Take something that we can make a holy moment right now. And we're gonna take some communion together and we're gonna ask God to do something special in our lives. And that is to redirect us towards the freedom of Christ through the Spirit, not legalism and not license. I can do whatever the heck I want. So if you're with me, you can turn it upside down and you can take your little cracker right there. And let me pray over this. Father, we want to thank you for the body of Christ that was given for us, that He laid down His life to show us the right way. And by giving us His body, He has brought us freedom in our body from addiction. But not just freedom from bad fruit, but He has now given us freedom to take hold of good fruit. So we are take this communion now, the symbol of your body, and we consume it into our body, believing that we are a part of you. Let's take us to God.
Let's take the blood of Christ together. Father in heaven, we're grateful for what your son has done. That if his body being broken for us is what broke us off from old curses, we believe that his blood being spilled for us is what take, took hold of the good fruit for us. That his blood washed us clean, reset our, 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 all of our debts with you. And that everything from the past, from the, as far as the east is from the west, you have forgotten. As soon as we have cast ourselves upon your blood, your son's blood, and we believe that your blood sets us free. It brings us new freedom into our lives, into our marriages, into what we think about ourselves, what we feel about ourselves. It brings freedom into our relationships with our children, even who are children who are far off, who have maybe broken relationship, even our relatives who are maybe afar off, have maybe even broken relationship with you, Jesus. We believe that your blood is what brings us together, brings us in relationship with the Father. So we take this now. Holy Spirit, we pray that this month and the following month, teach us, we pray. Teach us how to walk with you, to be led by you, so these new fruits can come to fruition in our lives, in our children's lives, in our marriages, in our communities, we pray in your precious son's name. And all God's people said, amen. We love you guys. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Stay around, meet someone new. If you're brand new, we'd love to get to know you more. Please go to the back. There is someone back there. Andy, your hand up right there. Give us a wave, give us a wave. Please speak to Andy. He would love to tell you more about Northwest Church and how you can be a part of this community. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.